Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Matt Chat. I'm David Miracatani. Today I am joined by a longtime NCAA official who's worked such events as Iowa versus Oklahoma State, last year's national duels, Iowa versus North Carolina State, and longtime Midlands official, Mr. Pete Mankiewicz. Pete, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, David. Thanks for having me on. Well, I appreciate having you on. There's a lot to discuss about uh, wrestling from the viewpoint of the referees. But before we get into all that, I just want to take a minute to publicly thank you and your son for uh, helping me out with the Missouri Border Brawl the last two times we've done that. Oh, it was great. It was a great time out there. Yeah, it was, it was good to have you guys. And, uh, you know, I didn't, it's probably one of the few times I haven't been warned by the referees, so I appreciate it. Maybe because, <laughs> maybe because I wasn't actually coaching. That might have had something to do with it. So. That helps. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, as usual, the NCAs were great. Um, and as usual, there's always a couple controversial calls. So sure. we really want to have somebody like you on this week just to talk about your viewpoint from it, of it. I know you were there on the floor working, you know, helping everyone out. Um, I want to get into a couple calls specifically, and I'm just going to kind of jump around here. Um, first of all, in the finals, 174, the uh, Bo Jordan Mark Hall, was it a takedown call? What's the what is, I guess, the criteria or what is the definition of control there that you think the referees used to decide that that wasn't a takedown? You know, I'm not really in a position to, to talk whether it was two or not two. I can tell you what I look for um, in that situation, and and I want to feel like there's control. There's, you know, was the hip down? Uh, was he stepped over the leg? Was he across the body? Was he in a position where two should or should not be? rewarded you know and, and i've talked to a lot of people about it and a lot of people have different opinions on it some are, are great with the call some are up in arms you know and um the official of that is, is a real he's one of the top officials that you're going to get you know and he was in position and and i'm i'm sure and certain that he saw something that stopped him from awarding too and uh you know he was at a different angle for me and uh Bottom line is that he was Hall controlled, and uh, the official thought he wasn't. So I don't know if that answers your question. That's a tough question for me to to oh, ask. It's fine. It's fine. Answer. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you know, you know, my job is to you know to try to get insight on these things, and you know, your job is just to do the best you can with it. So that's fine. I, I was going to ask this later, but I think this maybe is the perfect time to ask it. Do mm-hmm. you, as a guy who's done these top level matches, and there's obviously two ways review comes into play. One is you or you and the secondary referee just decide, man, that's a really, that's a close situation. I want to go look at it. So it's basically your decision to review it or one of the corners, you know, waves the flag and says, I want it reviewed. In, in other sports like football, baseball, there's somebody in a booth. There's a third party that is doing the review. Mm-hmm. I understand logistically that might not be as easy in wrestling, but how do you feel about the guy who made the call reviewing his own call? Yeah, you know, a survey went out after the after the regular season was over, uh, asking that question, okay. and um, and you know, I gave my opinion on it, and my my opinion was that I'm okay with the third party looking at it. We're we're all humans out there, and we no one is trying to to make a bad call. Um, one of the 
the one of the pros is you have a, a different set of eyes looking at it. One of the cons is the guy's not on the map and doesn't really have a feel for what you're looking at. And you know, feel is 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 a big word in uh, in wrestling. You know, did you feel he had control? Control is felt. And you know, w- with having a third party looking at it, they don't have that feel aspect. They're not a part of the match. So, you know, can they do it and, and make the call in an unbiased in a way that's that's really correct? I'm not sure, but I am for a third party looking at it just to get the official who already had made a call who may want to make, you know, make sure that that call is the right call. And if it's, if it's close, are you going to keep it? You know, or if it's, I've, I've overturned my own calls, you know, by looking at the video. And I really believe that all the officials want to get it right. Sure. And sometimes it's tough to do that. that, Right. I mean, even the most frustrated person isn't thinking, you know, referee number 22, I, I'm going to say referee number 322 because there might have been a real referee 22. But referee <laughs> number 322, you know, has it in for school XYZ or for kid ABC. I don't, I don't think anybody's saying that. We're just, you know. Yeah. No, I didn't think so either. Sure. When you say mm-hmm. this, you, that, what you, your answer brought up a couple of things. Number one, when you say the survey went out, was that only to mm-hmm. referees or was that to referees and coaches? I, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, I, I I want to believe it was for everyone involved. Um, so I didn't really look to see who it was sent to. All I know is a survey went out, and that was one of the questions. And uh, it came to me, so I answered it. I got it. And then the, yeah. the second question I have is, I understand your point about feel, and I agree with it. Like stalling and some of these other things are a feel. It's a, you know, it's a compilation of activity. You know, mm-hmm. but I think what a lot of fans would say is, well, okay. You know, there's a guy in in the booth deciding whether or not the guy had control of the ball, you know, in, on a touchdown or whether or not both toes were in mm-hmm. bounds. You know, and same thing like, you know, hey, did, did so-and-so leave the cylinder? And mm-hmm. it either is or it isn't. It's not so much a feel thing. So for fans that feel that way, what what would your response be to that? Well, there's, there's, there's a lot in the sport, too, that's black and white. And you can still have – you know, four people looking at exactly the same thing and have two different sets of, of, of responses. Either it was two or it wasn't two, you know, and, and some people you know, may be a little bit more biased. I and mean, we're not talking about the officials here. We're talking about your, your everyday fan or the coaches. You know, how many times you get in an arena and you hear everyone yelling and screaming, that's two, and you know darn well that that's not two yet. I think my, favor- my favorite one is when somebody from the, 800th row is screaming he's pinned and the ref oh, yeah. is staring right at it from, yeah. from three inches away. Somehow you just it. want to step aside and let that guy have a clear view from 8,000 feet away so we can make that call. Yeah, from <laughs> section 312 row, row ZZ, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. I was going to ask you that when you go to these big arenas, like you've, you've, you've done Gallagher Iva, you've done Carver Hawkeye, yeah. you know, you've done, you know, Evanston. Mm-hmm. Um, although that's more of a neutral crowd site, but how does sure. how does the crowd impact decision making? I, I I know the I know the the pat answers it doesn't affect me at all, David. You know I'm going to make the calls, but you're yeah. also a human being. So I mean, does it ever does it ever influence you guys? You think? I I hope not. I hope I call what I see. Um, some people may may say you know I, I'm full of it there, 
But at the same time, like, I know when I was at Iowa NC State and the crowd is, you know, wanting stalling. They're yelling and screaming and stalling. And I'm watching it, and you know what? I got two shots for red. I got no shots for green. You know, so there's no stall call yet. And and I have to constantly review and tell myself what's going on to get the crowd out of it, to get the crowd noise out of the head and kind of do a, a play-by-play dialogue in my head to make that be the, the thing that I'm listening to the most. So, you know, but yeah. some places are tough. Some places are tough to call. It, it is. And uh, I think brands, when I went into the, the Iowa match, you know, sat there and said, this is a tough place to call. And he probably pretty much looked at me and said, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> I think her friend Matt Zeitz was told the same thing by Brand, so yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and, and that's interesting because, you know, you and I have known each other for a long time. And, um, oh, yeah. you know, I actually coached your son in a couple of MMA fights, and we obviously have a very cordial relationship. But there's been sure. many times when you were refereeing our guys and – I always thought that as a coach, if I yell, that dude is stalling, you know, that guy's stalling, even if you want to make the call, I make it harder for you to make that call because you don't want to make it look like I influenced it, that, that that decision. Is is there any truth to that at all? Yeah, yeah I, I'll admit to that. When I'm about ready to hit someone for stalling and the coach is yelling that stalling and has the fist up, it kind of makes me have to delay the call because otherwise it looks like I'm a puppet out there being led by the by the coach. Now, is it right or is it wrong? I delay a little bit. So, you know, because we are on the same page. Believe it or not, sometimes the coaches and the officials are on the same page. But yeah. I can't be viewed as a puppet. Well, no, because making the call the just because. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then they're not getting the call because the call, the true call doesn't exist there. Well, you gave it to him. <laughs> well, it was a true call. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um. Going back to replay, one of the questions that I got from a friend of mine um, was when you review things, I guess walk mm-hmm. me th- like walk me through a big review you've done. Like some a sequence happens and, you know, Coach A goes to the table, waves the flag, and and you right. walk over and you say, Coach, what do you – why are you waving the flag? What What do you want me to review? What's the exact question you ask the coach? What is our challenge? Okay, what is our and challenge? And the coach – so in the coach in, will say, mm-hmm. go ahead. I apologize. Go ahead. No, that's okay. You know, the coach will say what it is. I'm, I'm, I'm challenging that takedown. Say when I, when I did Oklahoma State, Iowa, and, and Coach Smith took me to the table on a, uh, Kendian Kalika takedown. And, uh, they were going out of bounds. I had Kendian in control with Kalika, kind of having just like a baby, baby wizard that was doing absolutely nothing, was down by the wrist when I gave the two and um you know the, the wizard wasn't really in and like Calica was in, had control and, and I went to review it because I went to, to to that point to see if what I saw was actually um a takedown. And uh so you go back to the video, you tell the guy where to pull it back to and then you go from there and you look I, I look at it a number of times and make sure that I was correct on the call. Okay, or so to make is, sure that if I if it was wrong, to make sure we go back and see exactly what point in time I was incorrect. So this that's a perfect example, baby wizard sequence of events. Let's say somewhere in there you see wrestler A illegally grab a singlet. Let's say in that mm-hmm. sequence 
you see somebody pull hair or somebody, you know, something that's blatant and somehow you just missed it. And actually mm-hmm. everybody missed it. Like I'm, Hey, uh, Mr. Mankwitch, I like you. I want to challenge back points here. I, I think my guy had back points. In the meantime, you see that, um, the guy on bottom was grabbing our singlet and pulling our hair, trying not to go to his back. Are you allowed to make those calls or you just have to look and see if there were two counts? I'm going to be honest with you, David. I don't have the book in front of me. To, to say yes or no, I believe you're you're going to the specific challenge, which is was it two or wasn't it two? I was under the impression that anything else that is seen before or after should not be, oh, it's not reviewable because that's not that's not the challenge. That's what I believe, but I, but I I'm so far open to to being wrong there. No, but it's but you can understand that as a fan that that's a really oh, yeah. interesting question, right? Like absolutely. Like for example, to go mm-hmm. back to the 174 match, you know, a lot I'm sitting next to a guy who goes, mm-hmm. does he challenge that it's a takedown or does he challenge that Hall got a reversal and not a takedown? I go, I don't know. And I mean, and I coached 20 years, but you know, the review is only around to the last handful of those. And right. you know, I think that's really interesting because you have to ask it the right way and those sort of things. Um, you have to be specific about what you're looking for. And sometimes uh, I'm reviewing, I think Hall had to take down prior to, um, I'm sorry, that Jordan had to take down prior to Hall, you know, being given the two. Getting control, right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. clearly Hall got yeah. control. The only question is whether Jordan had control first or not. So That's correct. Is mm-hmm. A referee or as a coach, let's say, you know, it's a tournament or a duel, whatever, I'm out of challenges. Am I allowed to even say to you, hey, do you think you should review that? You can say whatever you want from the corner. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, you, I you asked know, the question you, the wrong way. If, if I say that, no, does it, will that impact anything? Um, if you come to the table looking for a challenge and you're out of challenges, you'll be hit with a um, Mac control violation. Um, even if you're, I believe, even if you're asking the officials to, to call it, um, you can question the takedown and then the officials can get together and maybe plant a seed that is that, well, you know what? Yeah. Is that something you guys want, might want to look at? You can always ask it. You might be told no, but, uh, you never know. You might be told yes too. So you have to ask it like, Hey, can you give me an interpretation of what you saw there? And then, yeah. Give them the- Does your outside guy agree with you? Your second official agree with it? I'm allowed to ask that, plan, even plan if I'm team. out of challenges. I'm allowed to ask that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I can walk over yeah. and say, you know, hey, did the outside, you know, mm-hmm. did did outside ref Matt Zeitz, did he see it the same way you did? And if you haven't asked, you're at least, now you can go ask and maybe he's like, I don't know, Pete, maybe we should look at it. Then that can happen. Right. That can happen. Yes. Okay. Great. That helps. All right. Next question I have, leg riding and stalling. So I'm going to mm-hmm. tell you from a retired junior college assistant coach point of view <laughs> what I think the rules are, and you tell me if I'm right, okay? If you put legs in on me and I stand up, I'm stalling. If I stand up and you put in legs on me after I've stood up, you're stalling. First of all, do I understand the rule correctly? That's if it's done in multiple attempts. The first time I have legs in and I have them secured against you and you stand up and we, we stalemate it, PD it, whatever, um, 
No stall. First time that that'll be on the bottom. There's no will be a stall call there. No. Um, so no at the same time, the, the official will say to the bottom guy, "That's on you." So you that's know, those guys is verbal. So you'll say, "Hey, you'll say, Maricatani, if you stand up again, it's stalling." Or you might just say, "Hey, it's the next one's going to be you." Something like that. Next, the next one could be you. Could be you because it's it's not it's not a cut and dry thing where it has to be has to be called. Now, if you've done it multiple times and then we we'll do it again, you're probably going to get a stall call. Okay, I got to go back. You said it's not a cut and dry rule. So this is not a rule that if I stand it's up. Not, yeah, not the amount of times where it has to be called. It, that's not cut and dry. If it's done multiple times. The rule no. says if it's done multiple times, but the rule doesn't say if. Not having my book in front of me, I believe it is multiple times. Okay, but the rule doesn't say like it's not like clasping where the first time you clasp on top without a pinning combination, it's a point. It doesn't. It yeah. Okay, but yeah. mm-hmm. so that's why there's so much interpretation here, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I was a big leg guy when I competed, and when I coached, I always focused in on legs. So I'm well aware that if the bottom guy's creating the stalemate or the TV. It's going to be eventually on the bottom guy. If the top guy's doing it when the bottom guy stands up and then he throws legs in as he's coming up, well then that's the top guy who's going to get who's going to get worn eventually if it continues on. So you really have discretion there. Like if I'm stalling my butt off, it, but I've kind of just gotten away with it by being the first guy to run back to the middle and all those other things, and then mm-hmm. then the bottom guy stands up and I put a boot in, you can hit me. But if I've been working my fanny off and, and, you know, doing my best, and then, you know, I put that leg in, you can PD it, you can stalemate yeah. it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's another area where there's just so much subjectivity that, um, you know. I, I think there needs to be um, leeway in that area. You know, I don't think it, that needs to be cut and dry. Because how many times during the course of a match is it actually stopped because the bottom guy stands or the top guy puts legs in? So maybe one or two times, because once I mean I'm really verbal, and I get I let them let the wrestlers know without a doubt where I'm coming from when that's going on. You know the coaches they don't hear a lot of the stuff that's being said that's being communicated between the official and the and the athletes. Right. You know, kind of like a, a time where you were coaching and and I was the official recently, and the bottom guy stood up with legs in, and then I told the bottom guy, and then you asked. Is that stalling if he does it again? And I said, maybe. That's true. That is <laughs> and we got a laugh from the crowd. That's a real story about nine <laughs> days ago, yeah. That's a real story. Yeah. Hashtag and I said, story. maybe. Right, yeah. <laughs> so, fair enough. I get it. Yeah. So, yeah. sort of tied to that top position thing, um, you know, how does riding time impact stalling on top? I mean, I'll tell a quick story. Several years ago, I was coaching, and, you know, our guy was on top, and they hit us for stalling. And, you know, I go to the table. I go, I know you got to warn me, but I just got to tell you, we're working for a point. And, you go, and the guy says, I don't see any pinning combination. I'm like, we're not over a minute yet. So, you know, are we mm-hmm. not allowed to work hard to get our riding time? And I know there's a whole – we could talk for three hours about whether or not people like riding time or not. That's a whole separate conversation. But the rule yeah. is the rule. So until the rule changes – do you give guys more leeway on top until the riding time rolls over a minute? If they're selling me that they're working, and I'm, I don't mean that necessarily they're uh, they're trying to turn, 
But if they're getting in different positions, they're, they're, you know, getting the claw, trying to break the guy down, I have no problem with just letting things go until, until after a minute plus is, is acquired, accrued, uh, you know, whatever word we want to use. Um, I look at things a little bit more, I guess, sharper. After the writing time has pretty much been either secured or we have, hey, listen, we got two minutes writing time. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. I and, mm-hmm. No, I say, I think that's what we think. So that that is, and I know you don't speak for every referee in the country, but, you know, we're trying to exactly. get a sample here. But that's your, it. what might be stalling after two and a half minutes of writing time probably isn't stalling with 15 seconds of writing time. Is that a fair statement? That's fair. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, but you want him working. I mean, that, that's, that's important. That's an important part. If he's working to break the guy down, hey, he's working. He's doing stuff. He's earning his, his writing time. He's not just laying on top doing nothing. Yeah. And the, and the guy on bottom has to be able to get out. I mean, no, that's part of it. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, being able to control your guy is a skill. Whether or not people want, you know, it's, want that to be rewarded or not, like we said, is a different conversation. But until they change totally. the rule, it's a skill. Right. So, I think one of the the rule changes that has helped bring a lot more activity is, you know, the boundary rule. We're now not not the cylinder part, but where if we go out of bounds, you're encouraged to call stalling. And you know, I, and I've talked to some some big time officials like they want us to call stalling early in the tournament, and they want us to hit the guy because then they'll the guys will wrestle, they'll figure it out, they won't go out of bounds. So, mm-hmm. um. First of all, is that how you see it? That look, if you're, you know, try to set the stage early, get these guys to wrestle, so you don't have to make those calls that define the match later on. We we don't want to get involved. We don't want to make that call. But you know, if, if one guy is not making an effort to stay in the center, and if, if he's backing out of bounds, we have no choice to make that call. And or if he's getting pushed out, I I notice when the guys doing double on hooks and they are pushing the guys fighting to stay in and if you hit them early they're not doing that later on yeah you know it it sets the tempo and i talked to him about it in the locker room and a lot of times i use the coach as an example and and say coach you're gonna let me push you out of bounds and they looked at me and they're like heck no i go there's your answer guys right stay in bounds and it's it's a stay on the mat rule you know it's it's called as a stall it's a stay on the mat rule well, and so many movements. I mean, and, and you were a really good wrestler and a really good coach. And I think most of us that wrestled understand that a lot of things are movement. I mean, if you're pushing me, a lot of times you're pushing me to get me to push back because, you know, then you're going to mm-hmm. level change. Then you're going to hit your foot sweep off those underhooks. Then you're going to, you know, hit a headlock, hit a snap down, hit whatever it is. But you need pressure. You need movement from me to create your movement. So I think a lot of people that haven't wrestled in a long time, Maybe don't don't understand that as much. So, um, right. One of the the downsides, though, of that boundary rule that I see is that you can. It feels like you can almost just stall your fanny off in the middle of the mat. You know that. I don't think that's true. I mean, I I, I know this, it makes it really clear to me who's working the center, who's it. Cause I I count the shots as well, and. I, I don't know if I'm different. I call I call stalling. You know, if a guy is shot three or four times and the other guy hasn't made an offensive attempt, he's he's getting warned because I I reward 
action. I reward risk. And, you know, I would like to think all officials have that mindset. Sometimes you do get caught up in, in stuff, and it makes it tough to make the call. But I think it's called I, – I, I know I call it in the middle of the – well, if one guy's playing the edge and he's not going out of bounds, but he's playing the edge, I'll tell him three or four times, center, and if he doesn't make a move to go to the middle, I'm, I'm ringing him up. You will. So if, you know, you and I are, are wrestling there and you, and, you know, you got me facing out. I'm in the zone to use an old freestyle term, you know, or on the edge. And, uh, I'm allowed to use those old terms, Pete, because we're, we're relatively close to the same age. So it's okay. <laughs> so if I'm on the edge I'm being kind. and, uh, you, uh, you know, and, and the referee says center, center. And, and, you know, I just keep wrestling there. I don't even make an attempt and you do it again. Then you will hit me for stalling. Is that correct? Yes. Now, what if I'm trying to get in and you just keep cutting me off like a boxer? Then yeah, I'm not. I'm not that's not stalling because you're making an attempt. I got you're trying you. to get in there, and you know, there are times that I've called the guy who's on the inside for stalling because he's not allowing. I mean, they go halfway around the map. The guy's trying to get in, and the guy's cutting the corner and won't allow him in. Oh, well, he's stopping all wrestling. It's yeah, becoming yeah. a track meet. I get it. Yeah, I yeah, mm-hmm. and, and, and and I think. That's why you want referees with experience because they can just see that, you know, where sometimes I'm really going after you and sometimes I'm just trying to cut you off to get that that first or second stall call and you don't get that either right. half point or a point. So, yeah. Um, what is the official job description of the secondary referee? Mm-hmm. It's kind of changed this year where we, we want to make him the second official. We don't want him to be the assistant. We don't want him to be the outside guy. He's a second official. He's another set of eyes calling the match along with the first official, the lead official. Um, so he has to have an opinion. You know, if they go out of bounds, one guy thinks they're out. If he thinks he's in and he's 100% sure, he needs to step in and tell, tell the lead official, I have two there. Even if he's not asked? Cause that's, Even if he's not asked, yeah. But I don't see that yeah. very often. Do you see that very often? Oh, yeah, I didn't see it a whole lot this past weekend. Um, I saw it. it was in the MAC tournament. I thought we did a great job working with the lead official and, and the and the assistant or the second official. I thought we did a really good job working together to make sure we got the calls right. You know, I can I can tell you in the the finals with uh, 157, my second official stepped in when the tapper told me time. I had awarded two. But time was out two seconds prior to the, the, the tackle was wrong, and the second official stepped in and said, "We need to look at the video." Time was out, and he was in, and my second official was correct. So, uh, which is great. That's great. So one of the things that that brings up is, I guess I've just from watching and, and coaching and, and talking to referees, is the secondary referee or, or outside ref or whatever you want to call him. His job, I think, is to always be in a position within the last 10 seconds of the period to to have the action between him and the clock. Is that correct? You know, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, you, you do want to have have that that vision, but at the same time, it's not cut and dry. That that does not have to be the situation because sometimes the action will take you away from the clock. You want to be able to have it there. But it's not it's not perfect. You're it's not gonna be something you can be in alignment with that clock all the time. 
you want to see the action. And, you know, sometimes we have tappers. This past weekend we had the buzzers. You know, and I know the table that I work with, they worked real hard on making sure those guys knew how much time was left. So if the buzzer was off a little bit, they heard that there was uh, time was out. In that big arena, we had a guy yelling out time, and the officials would, would hear it. Yeah, I mean, I saw a match, and I don't want to call a referee out or a kid out because mm-hmm. that, that's not what we do here, but I saw nah. a match of a kid that made the finals, and they missed they they missed it, and there was an argument, and the one kid who ended up making the finals was really tired, and the coach of the other kid goes, I don't care what the call is, just put him back in the middle, and the, the referee's like, we got to get this right, we got to get this right, and they, you know, they took three, four minutes, and by then the other kid recovered, and, yeah. you know, I was sitting next to a guy, I go, if the, if the secondary ref had just been able to say, no, time was out, or no, that was right, we don't need to review it, I saw it. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I have the action. I said, I guarantee you the other kid wins that match. So, you know, and, and nobody's doing it on purpose, but it is something that when you're watching that, you're like, yikes, the whole season comes down to something crazy like that. So um, we, we can go back to those those fake injury time. Not the fake, but the, the uh, ill-advised injury timeouts we used to have in years past with the with – the, um, Oh, Lord. Like, you know the guys that have the inhalers? Yeah. <laughs> and they take an injury time out for how long and they'd never be penalized. And now we have that new rule in place for the other guy's choice. That's eliminated so much. I heard about a guy one time that had imaginary contacts. And if he got tired, he would just say his contact fell out. <laughs> he never had contacts. <laughs> so and they would look for about a minute and couldn't find it. And yeah, so so there could be a lot of things that come into play. I'm sure that official was trying to see the clock, but I'm sure the action took them out of position to see it. We're, we're human beings, you know. No, none of us are perfect. No, for sure. And I think that's yeah. part of this interview too is just for people to understand that, I, you know, people love their teams, right? And so they see it. Oh yeah. You know, they see it through orange and black, or blue and white, or black and gold. Uh, eyes. And so, you know, they see it from, well, he didn't call, you know, we didn't get the call because of this. And, you know, I remember one year talking to a referee, a friend of mine about the tournament. And I was like, well, this guy's, he goes, stop. I said, what? He goes, I don't want to know who's favored. I don't want to know who's supposed to win. He goes, Mm because that could subconsciously affect how I I call the match. And I actually had a lot of respect for that. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. I do know I want that guy in my next wrestling pool because I didn't know who anybody is, but it was, <laughs> you know, but I do respect that a lot. So one of the questions I was going to ask you, but I think you've answered is what goes to your mind as a secondary referee? And it sounds like the answer is really to almost be like, you know, referee, you know, one, one B to be right there and to and not be afraid to speak your mind if you feel like, you know, something was missed. Is, is that your interpretation of that role? Without a doubt. Okay. Okay. Without a doubt. Yeah. What what rule or what rule is the most difficult for a referee to get right consistently? Or situation? What oh rule boy. Or situation? Uh, you know, just trying to be consistent with the way stalling is called. That that's real. That's it's it's difficult because you get. The, the athletes have gotten so much better in, in masking it and hiding it. Um, and they're getting better at wrestling, period. 
so just being consistent with the way you're you're calling it, you know, like I, I'll sit there on top and bottom with legs in, legs out. I look at transitions, and that for me that keeps me, I hope, consistent. You know, during a transition, the bottom guy's still laying there, he's not doing anything, but the leg's not in anymore. He's you know he's going to the side, and bottom guy's falling. Um, I don't know if that that answers your question. No, it does. Um, it's, if it's... you're looking for a rule, but no, it is. I mean, and then what rule – I mean, you guys get the rule book. Your job is to interpret it, enforce it, whatever the right verb is there. Mm -hmm. If they gave you the rule book for a day, what rule would you change? Oh, can the rule book for a day? Wow. Um, I stunned the great pistol, Pete. I'm going to take it. It's a good you question. did. You it's did. You stunned me. That, that's, that's a good one. But there are some – I mean, it's some of the newer stuff, that, you know, the backing out of bounds, trust, being consistent with that. Um, but that's not a, a change that I think needs to be made because you went from 40-some-odd stoppages during the course of a dual meet down to about three. You know how much time that saves and how much better it is for the fans? You know, we may be uncomfortable right. with it. Yeah, we, we may be uncomfortable with the newer rule and stuff, but at the same time, that's done a lot of good. And... You know, being consistent with it, hey, we're still, we are still working on that. Yeah. You know, I can't, an I can't answer your question. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, actually. Uh, and I think what people forget is, you know, we all love wrestling. You, you know, you rep for me because you love it. You know, I coach Absolutely. And do these charity events because I love it. The guys that coach and do athlete, that compete, it's because they love it. And so, I mean, I remember several years ago when the rule first changed from knees or whatever there was in bounds to anything being in bounds. One of our guys yeah. hit a lateral drop, threw the guy, almost pinned him, and we had one toe in, and the guy, the referee, blew it out of bounds. And I started walking to the table, and before right. we even get there, the guy cuts me off and goes, Coach, I missed the call. And yeah. I just turn around, and my dad goes, What happened? I said, He told me he missed it. He goes, What do you mean? I go, He told me he missed it. I, I can't stand there now. I can't. They were not going to put him back in that situation. There's no need to embarrass this guy. You know, hopefully, mm -hmm. you know, hopefully it works out. So, you know, I think, you know, when you're never in those situations as a coach, you know, you, you look at a, guy, a referee's eye sometimes. They're like, man, I'm sorry. You know, but it's, you know, we all make mistakes. I know I haven't batted a thousand yelling the perfect move to a kid every time. And, you know, I know that's right because, right, you know, we just lost an all-star meet a week and a half ago. So, you know, I mean, clearly we could have done better, too. It's just how it goes sometimes. So I want to talk to you about scrambling, um, <laughs> north-south, Passovers, you know, whatever you want to yeah. call it. Um, you know, and you, you just to, you know, springboard off what you said, you know, they're, the athletes are getting better and better. The technique's getting better and better. And, frankly, you know, the gamesmanship is getting better and better. Um, I've got to imagine as a referee that scrambling has got to be one of those sort of nightmare situations where it's like, you know, to quote Andy Hamilton, it's like, you know, trying to untangle the knots of your, of your iPod earbuds sometimes trying to figure out, you know, who's got what. So <laughs> that's good. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about how you and maybe, you know, just referees in general perceive scrambling and what are you guys looking for to specifically, uh, designate control? Well, I, uh, again, control is felt. There are so many situations that 
you know, it's hard to even explain what we're looking for, but I can tell you when we're there, what I am looking for. You know, the guy's pass the leg over. Uh, he has, say he's, he's got the leg of the guy underneath his body. And you're not going to get two there. But once that top guy starts kind of moving forward and pressure's going forward, the guy still has his leg, but now the knee is bent and they're moving forward. You know, it's like 1,001. I got two takedowns, you know. Um, and usually, usually that's right. But every once in a while, you get a funky kid that, that still is holding on. The next thing you know, he's passing it over again after you've given two, and you know it was two there for, for a couple of seconds. And now you're starting to, now they're going in a different direction. You know, what do you do? Um, you know, you gave it two in that situation. It, 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 it's going to stand, and they're just going to keep wrestling out and wrestling into something else. You know, I, funk is, is awesome. It's changed the sport. It's changed, you know, depending on how how you're looking at it, it's changed for the for the better or for the worse. <laughs> like, you know, it's uh, I, I sometimes I'm out there officiating and I am amazed of what these these athletes are doing. You know, and I just sit there sometimes. It's like watching kitten kittens roll. Kittens are playing. They're rolling around and stuff. And uh, and then all of a sudden, boom! There it is. That's two. You know, and they they just kind of work out or. We go into a sailing situation, which, you know, which happens a little bit too often. Um, you know, and I think that's the downfall of it. A lot yeah. of times, a lot of wrestling done with no points for it. And I think, I agree with everything you said. I, you know, the two little tangents. One, I heard a referee say, I call two as soon as I think the guy, you know, when one of the guys who's, you know, who's funking can't funk anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, that they're put in a position <laughs> they don't want to be in. Like, that means the other guy is controlling them. Um, yeah. I also think scrambling really has disguised stalling. You know, so if you shoot and I start passing ankles over and 45 seconds later there's a stalemate, and then you shoot and I start passing ankles over and 45 seconds there's a stalemate, and, and that happens a third time, it's hard for the referee to remember you took all the shots. <laughs> uh, and that's where, that's where counting shots comes into play. Because the second when someone makes an attempt, I'm saying green or red, you know, and and I'm keeping a, a picture of that. And I think a lot of officials do it, and some some get caught. You know, I, I can't say I've never gotten caught in that that situation myself, and that's probably why I count and I say the say the color to myself. Right. I'm doing that dialogue again. I'm 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 the announcer in my own head. Pete, all of us have known you, don't, you know that you've been talking to yourself for a long time, so that's not a surprise. <laughs> That's when I started answering myself is that we have problems. That's right, yeah. Somebody get that phone, will you? Yeah. Okay, so I have another really specific question I want to ask you. On, And I don't know if you know if I'm titling it right, but on the drop-down rule or when you drop down to a leg is – Sure. Do you guys call it the drop-down rule? It's the drop-down rule, yeah. So on the five-second drop-down rule, how is that rule actually worded? If their their hands are below the buttocks, you know, if, if both hands are, it's it's an automatic count. If you're underneath the torso and, and you're grabbing the ankle, it's a count. Um, you know, there's a lot of different situations, and one of the best things, best tools we have, is a spreadsheet on on the um, arbiter site on the center mat. It shows every single different situation that the guys can get in on the mat and what the actual call should be. 
And during the season, I'm looking at that every single day. You know, side headlock. There's a count. The guy stands up to the side headlock, then there's no count. Uh, legs in, side headlock, count. You know, um, they stand up, you stop the count. There, there's so many different situations, but bottom line is they, they want the drop down to stop because of the amount of time, the amount of scrambles that were going on with nothing nothing being rewarded. Well, the guy that dropped down no. wasn't trying to score. I mean, you know, in a nutshell, he wasn't trying to no. score. And, and at the time, he wasn't even trying to get riding time. He was just trying to stop the other guy from scoring. So Absolutely. All right, so I, I just want to reiterate to make sure I understand it. If both hands drop below the buttocks or the hips, that's supposed to be an automatic count. And if one yeah. and if one hand is on the ankle or lower and one hand is below the chest, it's supposed to be a count? Is that right? It's under, under the torso. In the beginning, it was just tight waist ankle. But now it's like if I get a claw and I'm long enough to be able to grab an ankle, you know, being that it's underneath the torso, or not, say, let's not say claw, say underneath the armpit, mm-hmm. um, that should be a count as well. Okay. So, actually, one of my questions I have written here, I'm just going to read it to you. Wrestler A starts in referee's position and goes to deep waist and ankle on the whistle. I saw some referees count for stalling immediately while others did not. What is the right call? So you're telling me that's supposed to be an immediate count, correct? It's an immediate count. Now, sometimes, you know, you, you, you look at wrestler B, and he might turn in and grab the leg as the guy, you know, looking first. Did he turn and grab the leg, or did the guy drop down? Because if the bottom guy initiated the action going to the top guy's leg, then the, the top guy can drop down, and there's no count. You know, so sometimes the people who don't know what that rule is will sit there and say it was an immediate tight waist ankle, and they don't look at the bottom guy, what he's done. Does I get that make it. sense? No, it does. I get it. Mm-hmm. I get it. I get it. Um, I have another specific question. I don't think – I'm really interested in what you think about this. Wrestler A is, okay, I'm on bottom, and I get an almost reversal. Like, I stand up, I hit like a standing switch on you, and now I have you in a single leg. Okay? Right. <laughs> you're yep. still collecting riding time. Absolutely. You're clearly not in control. Right. How do we solve? Why? It? Why, do why solve doesn't? It? Why doesn't the wrestler that drop down clear? Because he has a choice. He can let the he, leg go. Right. He can give up one. He can choose. He can choose to give it to to take the the escape, or he can gamble to try to get two, which isn't a guarantee. So the riding time is still continuing because he's gambling. He's going to stay on that leg where he has the opportunity to let go and get the one. Which is what Corey Clark did in the finals the first time he got out. He just cut, okay. it, he just cut it loose to get one. I mean, I just rewatched the match last night. Yes. So. Mm-hmm. Smart. So, so you don't think. You didn't don't, get riding time. You don't think that's a situation that needs to be solved. You just think the, the, the kid in, or the guy in my situation has to be smart about it. Yeah. Uh, without a doubt, he has a choice to make, and he chooses. I mean, a lot of times I'll, I'll choose to stay in there and get the two because I know I'm going to get it. You know, if the guy get a couple extra seconds riding time, so be it. But if I'm not going to get it, then I need to back out and take my one, stop that riding time, especially in close matches where riding time is going to factor in. I get it, yeah. All right, back to the drop-down rule. Let's say mm-hmm. – um you know, you're on top, you turn in, now you're like head outside single, 
and I'm chest wrapping you or crotch throwing you or what, you know, and I pull you into me and you can't come up off the leg. That's still a count, right? Who, who initiated, who initiated the drop down? Did the bottom guy drop the leg first or you started, I just dropped down. You dropped to Mm -hmm. my leg and then I turned and put you in a, you know, really a stalemate position. But I know if I hold you here, it's going to be a stalling call. It's if the top guy drops down to it and then gets stuck there because the bottom guy traps him, shame on the top guy. Shame on you. And, uh, you drop down, the count started. You got trapped. The stall call is going to go against the top guy. So if I stand up and I'm cutting away and, you know, you, you, you know, like dive in on a leg to stop me from escaping and then mm-hmm. that's still going to be stalling. And that's, and you agree that that's the right call, right? Yeah, because you probably had some, you probably had a moment where you could have worked up. You know, you drop down to stop him from escaping. You bring him to the mat and then you had an opportunity to, to improve your position, and you chose not to. You chose to stay there for for a second or two, and then you get trapped. Yeah, that's your that's your fault you know, for being there. You chose you chose not to. Yeah, shame. Let me just say, shame on you. Indiana Jones, up. you chose poorly, right? So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, let's talk about neutral falls. Neutral. Okay. So, is the rule book say it's one second, just like any other pin? That's what the rule book says. That's correct. And nobody calls it that way, right? I can't say nobody calls it that way. Hardly I, I know, calls it that way. I know you want to make sure that I was there. So <laughs> you want to really make sure, without a doubt, that we have a fall. Right. How does that sound? I, that sounds fair. And do you, do you really make sure if the guy who's in the neutral position is winning by 10 or 12 points, do you make really, really sure? You really want to make sure there's a pen. Yeah. Um, you know, you were at the, the border ball. We had a, a neutral ball. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it was there. I don't know. I, and here's the deal. I had no idea what the, uh, the score was at the time. I have no clue. The ball was there. So it was called. Well, if it makes you feel any oh. better, I was shaking hands and kissing babies. So I don't know what the score was either. <laughs> so. But I talked to yeah. the uncle of the kid that got pinned, and he, and he said what you said. He's like, he shouldn't have put himself there. He's like, you know, mm-hmm. he was pinned. He goes, I wish they hadn't called it, but he was pinned. So, yeah, yeah I get it. Um, but, you know, and, and like, uh, you know, the, the Gulaban-Dean Heil match, you know, that's one that got a lot of mm-hmm. love. And, uh, you know, I do think it's interesting, you know, when, it's, when the guys are that long, I think it's insane for – Somebody say the referee missed it. I mean, I, I think Haggerty had that match, and it, he was there for 30 seconds. I mean, it wasn't, you know, wasn't like he stepped yeah. up and got a sandwich. You know, I mean, there's nothing else for him to look at but whether or not he's on his back or not. So, David, I, I looked at that that video five or six times, and, and you know I'm good friends with Mike, but I looked at it with a neutral set of eyes, and I don't think I would have made the call either. I didn't think he was he was standing. Well, again, different set of eyes see things differently, but I I don't think that was a, that was a fault. I thought it was a good no call. Yeah, now, Penn State fans are going to be a little upset with me, but you know, they still won the national championship. <laughs> Convincingly, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Um, last question I really have for you is, 
what is the definition of the rule, the mat control area? What is the rule? Coaches need to stay in that. Uh, say if we're in a tournament, they need to stay in, in the, the triangle area. Um, and you know, sometimes you have the coaches running out on the mat. To me, that's a simple call. Um, that's a simple mat control violation or outside the coaching area. Uh, you get badgering. That's a control mat violation. Um, and could be a couple different things. But for the most part, stay, stay in that box, stay in that area. I mean, there's leeway. Given, you know, you, you see it. You see some coaches get away with a little bit more, but a lot of times I'm looking at action. I'm looking at the action of what's going on. And I, I've missed some Mac control violations because I'm looking at action. Yeah. It's a, that's a tough one, right? Because I think if you're a fan of a small school, you know, again, not to call anybody out, but it feels like certain big schools, those coaches have a lot more leeway on that Mac control rule. You know, that, you know, they're running around all over the place and they're wagging fingers and things like that and it doesn't get called. Um, and then it feels like, you know, if, if your same, you know, small town you coach does that, um, you know, that it doesn't go the same way. So, I mean, is there an emphasis when, do, when you guys get the new rule book and whatever subtle changes are, is there also an emphasis with the NCAA say to you, let's really try to make this call a lot, you know, let's really try to hit on making this call uh, more intensely or more often or anything like that or, or, or not? Well, you know, Tim Shields, the coordinator of officials, he does a great job with, with sending the message out. He wants that call made. And I can tell you in uh, in Vegas, I worked with Cliff Keen. I had had a match in the finals where I, it was a hand-down takedown. And for my area as the league official, I couldn't see the hand-down. And so one of the coaches was all the way out in the middle of the mat while I'm talking to the outside, because they went out of bounds. I looked at my my second official, and I go, do you have two? And he goes, yeah, I had a hand down. So I awarded the two. But during that time, the assistant had made his way halfway through the, to the center of the mat. And I didn't see it because I was had my focus on the wrestlers, had my focus on the second official as soon as they went out, and changed the call. And by that time, the coach went back to the to his bench. And after the match was over, Tim pulled me to the side and said, you missed something. And I'm like, you know what I miss? Mat control violation. That coach is in the middle of the mat, and you guys, you made the right call. You did everything you were supposed to do, but that coach should have been one. So that's that's where Tim Shields stands on it. And, and I, we're all in agreement. We're trying to follow what Tim Shields tells us to do and uh, and make those calls. And it might not seem like it, but they, they're, getting, they're getting, I guess, rung up a little bit more than they used to. No, I, I don't think it seems. I mean, there's so much stuff going on. It's kind of like, uh, uh, I mean, you're, you, yeah. my father and I coached together for a long time, and, you know, you, you refereed a lot of our meets in St. Louis and around the area, and, you know, people go, why don't you do this with your lineup? Why don't you do that with your lineup? And it's like, that's a great idea. It's not like I'm in the room every day, and I don't, I didn't even know that guy was any good. Thanks for telling me. You know, I think, <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, you know your team better than anybody else. You know the situation better than anybody else. It doesn't mean you don't miss something once in a while because you do because mm-hmm. people are human. And, you know, I mean, I always would tell our guys at the beginning of the year, if I wrote down who I thought our lineup was going to be in, in February, I guarantee you I'd have at least three weights wrong because just stuff happens. And, sure. and so I think, 
You know, I think looking at it from a referee's point of view, first of all, it's a job I'd never want to have. It just seems like it's thankless. Like the best, the best referees are the guys you don't think about. That's, that's, you know, takes a special person to want to actively take on, you know, that, that role. Like, look, the best thing somebody can say about me is I forgot you were there, you know? So, you know, and I think you guys do a great job, you know, but, you know, I had to have you on because there's questions and this is the perfect time of the year to ask them, you know, because there's always controversy at nationals. You know, there's always something where people go, what about this? What about that? Um, And, you know, we are always looking at different things to make things better. You know, because of the rules today, maybe there's some areas that need to be be addressed. I guarantee you there'll be a lot of conversation in in the postseason to try to make things right for next year. And they will do the same thing next year. You know, we'll do it every year. We want we want to make it so I don't want to see the best kids, the right kids, but the guy who was supposed to win the match who, based on what happened out on the mat, gets rewarded for that. Yeah, I think that's incredibly important. I think the other thing that people like you and me miss sometimes is because we just love the sport is we need mm-hmm. to make the rules simpler and we, we need to reward aggressiveness because that's right. how we're going to bring new fans into the sport and that's how we're going to grow the sport. And instead of being worried about is wrestling dying, we can start talking about how fast is wrestling growing. And it doesn't matter what team you root for. It doesn't matter what match you like to ref, uh, which matches you want to referee. We all want to see the sport grow. We all want to see another, you know, 150 Division One college wrestling programs and another 150 Division Two, Division Three NAI junior college club programs, so that more and more kids can wrestle in college. Because all of us that wrestled in college at any level know it, it had an unbelievable impact on the rest of our lives. Oh God, yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Uh, whatever's best for the sport, I am behind 100%. And I'll do whatever I can to try to build and promote the sport. For sure. That's why you came on today, man. So I really appreciate it. I know it's not fun to answer some of these questions uh, or answer some of these questions, <laughs> but uh, I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, you've been you've been good to my family and me for a long time, so I want to publicly thank you for that as well. Well, thanks, David. You'd be good to me. So life is good, my friend. I appreciate it. You got it. All right, folks, that was Pete Mankiewicz. This is David Maricatani with Matt Chat. Talk to you all next week. This show is part of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. For more wrestling podcasts, head over to matttalkonline.com.